Welcome to the Discipleship Podcast with Pastor Pablo Martinez. We truly believe disciples aren't born, they are made. If your desire is to grow, renew your mind, and go to the next level in the way you live for God, this podcast is for you. Pastor Pablo will be sharing the real heart of a disciple through tough but transformational truths that are sure to confront us. These truths will lead us into establishing the kingdom of God in our lives. Now is the time. Grab your pen, a notebook, and your Bible. It's time to get formed. Well, welcome to Formation Fridays. Uh, Noemi, thank you. What an amazing, amazing word. Uh, honestly, it's so beautiful to see uh, you growing. Uh, it's, it's cool. Really, really cool. Um, not just you, actually. A lot of people who have been growing through the season. Uh, but Eoni and I were talking about this the other day, how this church is full of powerful people. Just so many people that love God, that, um, that love people, you know. And so it's no wonder uh, the people you're discipling are as, as amazing as they are. And one is getting married pretty soon, too. So good job. Woo! So if you want to get married, get discipled by Noemi. Anyway, so, uh, <laughs> anyway, so uh, I want to I wanna share with you guys now... Uh, I'm going to continue the, it's kind of like a mini series that we're doing and it sounds super boring the moment I say it, uh, but I pray that you've been receiving a lot. It's about Greek words that every disciple of Jesus should know. So these are Greek words that every disciple of Jesus should know. Now, every time I hear about Greek, I'm like, I, I really lose interest most of the time, but uh, God has been really putting in my heart to learn uh, and go deeper in his word in specific areas. And I've been teaching you guys about different words. So the first one that we taught was the difference between logos and rema. Do you guys remember that? Yeah, Carmen, do you remember that one? Yeah, logos and rema, right? The difference between logos and rema is that logos is the written word of God and rema is that revealed word of God for a moment, for a specific season, right? Kind of like Jehovah Jireh, the Lord is my provider and that's a rema for your life, right? And it's all you need. I, when I say rema, I usually think in Spanish, so uh, I think rama, rama is a branch, right? And I think it's that one branch I grab onto when I'm falling off a cliff and I grab onto it for dear life. That's my rama, Right? It's my rema, and I just kind of grab onto it, and no matter what happens, I know I will not fall because I have that word. Does that make sense? The next one is chronos versus kairos. Chronos, right? Chronos is what? The measured time, right? Time that you measure like months, weeks, uh, you know, uh, years, decades, centuries, millennia, right? But uh, these are measured time. But now we talked about how to live a kairos life in a chronos world. Kairos is the perfect timing of God. Like you were driving and for some reason you decided to press on the brakes and a car just goes, Voo, zooms right by and should have crushed you and should have killed you, but it doesn't. I don't know if you guys have ever been there where you're like, man, uh, something could have happened. I was talking to Mikey on the phone today and, uh, you know, he was driving. I'm not saying he was driving with the phone here. Maybe he had an earpiece. I don't know. I'm not trying to call him out. But all of a sudden he went, oh, and the phone just went quiet. And he's like, dude, and a, a big old trailer almost took him out of the road uh, while he was on the freeway. But obviously God in his perfect chronos, in his perfect timing, allowed him to continue to be a father to Hannah and to Samantha Grace pretty soon. So the, the timing of God to me is one of the most amazing things. The timing of God, that's the kairos, right? We live a kairos life, a, a life with the timing of God in a chronos world. 
Last week, we spoke about love, right? We spoke about the different types of love. Agape was the, the godly love, right? The perfect love, the unconditional love, the kind of love that God has. Not love like I love Chick-fil-A or I love cheeseburgers or I love In-N-Out or I love Canes, right? Um, it's not the same because in the English language, we only have one word for love. And we talked about in the Greek, there's so many words for love. Like Eros, which is that romantic kind of love. Then we have the phileo love, right? Which is the friendship love. We have the storge love, which is the family love. The one thing that I hate you, but I love you kind of love, right? Because you're my family. What am I going to do about it except protect you and take care of you? Even if we get in a fight, but if somebody hits you, then I'm going to take care of that person because I'm going to take care of you. Does that make sense? Because you're family. That's what you are. So there's different kinds of love, but the main love or the love that the Bible talks about, the love that is above all loves is agape love. Agape love is that one love that Corinthians talks about. Love is patient. Love is kind. It keeps no record of wrongs, right? Love endures. Uh, uh, love is a bunch of things. That's amazing, right? So God is love. God is agape love. But today we come to a really, really important one. And I think this one to me is one that you could apply everything else into. And the word, I want you to write it down, see if you can, is mathetea. Mathetea. Ah, uh, no, right? Mathetea. It's like Matthew, M-A-T-H-I-T-E-I-A, with an accent on the I. Mathetea, which is discipleship. In the Word of God, you don't find the word Christians. I don't know if you know this, but in the Bible, Christians, the word Christian does not exist. As a matter of fact, people used to be called Christians to make fun of them. Like, haha, you Christian. Like you're trying to be like a little Christlet. That's what they came up with. That's a term that people use to make fun of believers. Actually, back in the day, there was only disciples or not disciples. You either were a disciple for Christ and were willing to die for him, buried or alive or head chopped off, whatever it is that they wanted to do to you, persecution of all sorts. When I'm talking about persecution, I'm not talking about, oh my gosh, they're going to close my Instagram. I'm talking about they're going to burn you at the stake. They're going to kill you and your family for following Jesus. And this is what these people lived through. They were either disciples of Jesus or they were not disciples of Jesus. So that word, mathetea or mathiteos, it really had an important meaning to everyone who knew Christ. Today, I want to share with you what it is that a, a disciple looks like. What is a disciple? Because I know that all of you here at CFF, all of you listening know exactly what a disciple is supposed to be. We know the marching orders of a disciple. We know the DNA of a disciple. We know the strength that it comes with a disciple, right? Above all, we also are very sure of how we're supposed to disciple other people. But just in case you don't know, I want to share with you and go back to the beginning, the original discipler, the main disciple maker, and his name is Yahweh. His name is God. The creator of the universe, of heaven and earth. The one who spoke everything into existence. The reason why you and I have a song in our chest is called the heartbeat. The one reason why we are alive. I want to take it back to Genesis chapter 1 in the beginning. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 through 3. And this very may very well be... Uh, to me, the, my, my, uh, I guess the one message that I keep going back to with my son, Elijah, he did his very first personal devotional yesterday, right? So we just finished a hundred devotionals in a row, which was pretty intense. It was hard because it was hard for me, actually, because every night and only we were doing devotionals with him. But yesterday or two days ago, he did his very own first devotional. Guess, guess which story he chose? Samson, yes, where there's a lot of murder and all that, right? But he started reading that story, and I just kind of brought it back to him and said, you know what? 
All these stories have an origin. Everything that you see in the Bible, we all have an origin. And I just kind of took them back to Genesis, to the beginning. And I want you to understand something. That from the very beginning, God intended discipleship for every one of us. A great writer, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, said, Christianity without discipleship is Christianity without Christ. Christianity without discipleship is Christianity without Christ. Can someone disciple themselves? The answer is no. You cannot disciple yourself. You need someone else to disciple you. It's kind of like telling somebody, hey, can a baby potty, potty train himself? No, somebody needs to help him out. Can a, can a kid really, you know, become an amazing professional soccer player, with, player without a coach? No, he could probably get good, but he cannot meet his potential without having a coach. Does that make sense? I know for sure that I need discipleship in my life. My question is, do you know the importance of discipleship to God for your life? You do not need discipleship if you're not trying to fulfill God's purpose. If you're trying to fulfill God's purpose in your life, in your marriage, in your family, as a person, then you, don't, then you do need discipleship. I put it like this. So I'm a weekend warrior. You guys know what weekend warriors are? Now, when you play soccer on the weekend or you play a sport on the weekend, like basketball, or when you think you're all awesome because you play a little bit here and then you think you're really good, but in reality, you're really not that good. That's what I reckon. That's what we can worry is. Like, if I was good, I'd be playing the pros, right? But I'm not. So uh, I got my knee all jacked up, right? And I went to play a couple Sundays ago and I came back walking like an old man, you know, just like, oh man, I'm complaining. Uh, and I, I, I realized this, that, you know, I don't need to be, training hard. I don't need to be having a specific diet. I don't need a coach. I don't need anything if I'm not going to become a soccer professional player. Like if this is not something serious to me, right Virg? Like if it's not serious to me, then I don't need to be trained. I don't need discipline. I don't need formation. I don't need more information. I just need to know where I'm going to play and just try to show up, right? Pay seven bucks for the ref. But what if this was my lifestyle? I mean, I'm just asking, what if this is how I lived? What if this is my, my, my identity? What if this is who I, am, who I am? And what if I took it as mediocre as I do it now? We can wire your status. How would my life pan out in the future? How would my career look like? How would I be able to provide? How would I give glory to, I guess, the one who is sponsoring me if I'm so mediocre at it? And I believe that most Christians, most of the people in the church, not CFF, other churches, right? They don't realize how serious, how important, how incredible your life is, the potential that God gave you. What if I was to tell you that God didn't call you for a mediocre Christian life? He called you to live a life as a disciple of Jesus. It dawned on me so much. It was so clear to me. Angie, it was so clear to me. Today, I was, I was so surprised. Like God really began to speak to me about this. And, and I started thinking to myself, do I really want to be discipled? Like, I mean, I, I'm a pastor and I want to be discipled, right? I get it. I, I, I disciple people, but do I really want to be discipled? Like it started, it was just an honest question. I said, how much do I search out discipleship in my life? And I would like to ask you and you and everyone who's here and everyone who's listening, I would like to ask the same question. Do you still want to be a disciple? And here's the thing. At first, I found it a little bit tough to be honest and just say yes until I came across a second question. A disciple of who? Right? A disciple of who? Like, it, uh, being Pastor Caesar Cassiano's disciple is amazing for me. 
incredible. But to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, that's a whole nother level, right? I, I can say to be a disciple of Christ is like, man, it, it's, it's like shooting for the moon, right? It is the highest honor. It is the most incredible thing to say, I can become a disciple of Jesus. But I think what we do wrong in this church, and we do many things right, but also some things wrong, is that sometimes as leaders, we try to teach people, yes, to follow us, and that's a good thing, but we don't remind them, follow me as I follow Christ, meaning the ultimate goal is to be Christ-like. It doesn't take much to become like me. Man, but to become like Christ, it's a lifelong career. It's a, stra it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a road not easily traveled, and it's, it's a long road. It's a marathon. For some people, you may have a leader, a cell leader, and that's an amazing thing. But sometimes you forget that you're also a disciple and a disciple of Jesus. And if you're going to become the disciple of Jesus Christ that God called you to be, then I know for sure that you need leadership in your life, even if that leader is less than perfect. Let me go back to the scripture, Genesis chapter 1. And I'm going to ask you that question. Do you still want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? Or do you want to be a pretend disciple, meaning just a follower? There was people in the scripture, man, this is crazy. There was a lot of people in the Bible that all they wanted was miracles. They were just after the blessings, Milky. They literally just wanted a miracle from God. They saw him as a spiritual ATM. God bless me, right? Just, I just want something from you. And then when the tough times came, when their 2020 hit, they walked away. And they said, forget it. You're not doing any more miracles. Forget it. As a matter of fact, I read in Matthew 28, in verse 16, 17, right before the Great Commission, where he sends us out to be disciple makers, right? He says, go on, therefore, you know, throughout all the world, uh, making disciples, teaching them to obey everything I commanded them. Though I behold, I'm with you, right? It talks about, uh, what, what's the second part, third part? And I'm with you till the end of the age, right? But it says there that some believed and some didn't believe. I'm like, what the heck? How could you not believe? If you see Jesus in front of you, bringing people back to life, putting a person's ear back to its head, you know what I'm saying? Like a, a guy that was dead four days, I mean, rotten, stinking, walking out of the grave like this, and he just makes him come back to life. How do you not believe? After seeing all the miracles, after he was on the cross, hanging, bleeding out, stabbed on the side, and buried in a tomb. And then three days later, he starts showing up in town everywhere, completely healthy. How do you not believe? Like what in the world do you not believe? My question is, how, how lame? By the way, these are facts. No one refuted the veracity, the, the truthfulness of Jesus for the 200 years after he walked on earth. There was never someone trying to argue his existence. Did you guys know that? That there's no documents within the first 200 years of anyone even arguing if Jesus walked on this earth because there was so many eyewitnesses. It's kind of like me saying Trump doesn't exist. How many of you guys know that he exists? Right? You've seen him. You've seen some of the stuff he does. Right? You've seen what he says. You've seen the effects. It would be weird to say that I, he doesn't exist. He exists. He's there. That was the case with Jesus. He's the most, listen, he's the most written about person in the entire history of the world. There's no one else that God writes more about, that the world writes more about than Jesus Christ. Now, why am I telling you this? Because you either believe in him as a true person or he's just some fictitious being that's not really worth following. I remember when I was first introduced to the concept of discipleship, I didn't think I needed until I saw this revelation, I guess you can say. I heard some guy from Colombia preach about this, and it was a small part of it, and eventually God began to show more, but I want to show you Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God 
What does it say? Let me see. Go back to the beginning. In the beginning, God. Ah, where are we? I also have the Amplified version here. Let's go to the Amplified. Let's see. Oh, I got here NASB. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. So he saw that the light... Uh, and saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless. Say with me, formless. Wow, it's amazing. Formless. <laughs> it was void, and it was dark. There was chaos, Virgil. There was chaos. That's formless, right? There was emptiness, void, and there was darkness, meaning that was covered with darkness. There was no light at all. I realized when I heard this that that was my life before Christ. I don't know if you know, but a lot of people, their lives are chaotic. Families are falling apart at the seams. They may have something, but they really, unless they have God, they have nothing. They're empty, no relationships. The deep, the depth of the relationships are likes on Instagram and Facebook. The depth of relationships are hanging out once a week. There's no relationship. The relationship with God is reduced to giving grace before a meal. That's intense that there's Christians, even pastors and leaders. There's people that grew up in church and their relationship with God is just reduced to a prayer before a meal. And it's also no light, full of darkness, full of sin. Can I tell you that discipleship is simply this, restoring God's order back into a person's life. That is discipleship, that your life will begin to have the order of Jesus Christ. You know, I hated coming to church. I couldn't stand going to church. Let me tell you why, because I was taken to church. I never actually went to church. There's a difference, right? When you get taken to school and then you start paying for it and you actually start going to school. Ain't it a difference? Like, I actually got to pay. If I'm going to pay, I'm going to pay attention because if not, I'm wasting my money, right? Otherwise, it's just the government's money. I don't care. Am I making sense? You see, at some point, when I started me, myself, going to church, I started realizing something. Man, my life is chaotic. My life is empty. And my life is full of darkness. But God, in the way he disciples, in the way he forms and reforms someone, is a beautiful thing. I want to cover these three things. I want to cover them quickly because I want you to understand what mateteos really means. It means that you become a disciple of Jesus Christ yet again. Can I ask you, anyone who's listening, do you want to be a disciple of Jesus? Because it is only then that the true purpose of your life is. Let me ask you guys, what is your purpose of your life? Johnny, what's the purpose of your life? How old are you? 40? <laughs> How old are you? 13. Okay. In the wisdom of 13. I get it. I get it. 13 is a good number. Okay. So what is the, what, what is the purpose of your life? Don't worry about it. Millions of people don't know either. Let's go to the right corner, the very wise corner over there, the cool girls corner. No, there's nobody here. This already is online, so you can't see it. So what is, um, Oli, what's the purpose of your life? What is it? What is it? <laughs> what is it? What is it? Uh, Oli, you. Uh, Olivia, yes. What is the purpose of your life? Yeah. No? Don't worry about it. Millions of people don't know either. So what is the purpose of your life, Noemi? Okay, no, no, that's cheating. Hold on a second. <laughs> Listen, 
I know for sure that unless you have the purpose of your life, why you're created, where do you come from? Why are you here? You know, the biggest problem of life is not that you do not succeed, but that you succeed at the wrong thing. That you climb a ladder your entire life, Olivia, and you pretend like that's the goal. And then you get there and you realize, oh shoot, that was the wrong building. Makes sense that you're like, oh my gosh, I made it. And then you turn around and you're like, that was not the point of my life. You know, I sit down by the bedside of many people that are passing away. Last couple of weeks, I've done it and I'll continue to do that as a pastor. Spend time in the beginning of their lives. I see people being born. I get to hold on newborn babies and bless them. But I also get to see people pass away. And most of these people, I could tell you, many of these people never fulfill the purpose of God in their lives. At the end of their lives, they realize how far they were from God. And they were just trying to say, ask for salvation. Because their lives never were formed. Instead, they were deformed. Listen to this. Adam and Eve had a perfect, incredible beginning. God gave them specific orders. He gave them specific powers, I guess you can say. He told them in verse 26, 26, it says, Then God said, let us make man, meaning mankind, in our image, according to our likeness. You know, you look like God. You're godly. Mm-mm-mm. Something that's pretty cool, right? According to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish, over the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. You got dominion over creeps. So God created man in his own image. The image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. God created you blessed. God said to them, be fruitful. God created you to be fruitful. And he said, and multiply. God created you to multiply. Amen. To fill the earth and to subdue it, to have dominion over it, meaning to have government, to, to be able to have the ability to manage the fish of the sea over the birds of the air and over the living things that moves on every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, see, I have given you every herb. God gave you, God blessed you. God gave you marching orders. He gave you a purpose. Please listen to this. Three things that happened in the beginning of the world. It was chaotic, it was empty, and it was dark. What do you do in discipleship? First thing you do is you start bringing back order. What does that mean? When I think of order, I think, I don't want to order my room. I don't want to order my, my garage, right? I don't want to put my garage in order. But you know what? Order is the best thing that can happen in your life. Order means that you know what your next step is about. Order means that you know where everything belongs. Do you know where things belong in your life? I don't know about you, but some people, it seems like they live for the next episode of Netflix. Like if I was to look at somebody's Netflix account, I'm not trying to confront you. I'm just saying that how many hours have you spent in front of that screen? And I'm not saying it's an evil thing. I'm just saying how many hours? How many hours? Just I want you to do something like a really crazy exercise tonight. For real. Go to the amount, and and you can do that. I don't know which one it is. I've done it before to see how many episodes you've actually watched this month. And you start adding up 45 minutes, 45 minutes, 45 minutes, 45 minutes, 45 minutes. And you start realizing, holy moly, I spent about 30, 40, 50 hours this month. I don't know how many of you spent, you know, don't get mad at me. I'm just trying to tell you, check it out for a second. And you realize, man, are my priorities out of order? Man, just look at your screen time. I don't know if you know iPhones can actually tell you how much time you spent with your neck bent downward. I don't know if you know that, but it tells you, is your order is the life properly ordered? Finances will tell you that. 
A lot of things in your life, the way your relationships are, tells you that. So see, discipleship, the first thing is this, restoring God's purpose, God's order back to your life. I love discipleship because discipleship tells me what God wants from my life and what he wants first, second, third, fourth, and fifth. I know people that live very unbalanced lives. Their marriages seem to be falling apart, but they still love Jesus. I know a lot of people, man, their, their finances are so broken because they have no order in their finances. Not because they don't earn enough. They don't earn enough because they have no order in their finances. They don't honor God with their finances. They don't really realize where it comes from. I just want to tell you that order is one of the greatest blessings you will ever have. I've realized this, that order leads to relationship. Sounds weird, right? The uh, order in my life, for example, when my room is well organized and my, my house is in order, my relationship with my wife is better. That's a weird thing. I don't know how that works. I really don't know how it works. Man, anyone who's a son or a daughter knows that when their room is, is nice and everything's good, somehow, someway, my relationship with my mom seems to be a lot better today. I don't know why. It's like a magic work of art. Ain't it? What was that? You, yeah, you could ask for something and it comes magically. You know, it's weird, but in organizations, whenever order is there, an organization can actually grow. An organization has now relationships developing. But when there's no order, you cannot have relationships. Listen, when you're having a, a girl you like or a guy you like and things are out of order, that relationship is doomed. There could be no relationship without order. It's like me living in a marriage out of order. And I have another marriage and then another marriage, another wife and another thing there. And a side gig. How many guys know that relationship is doomed to fail? If there's no order, there could be no relationship. The same thing with God. Sometimes your relationship with God is suffering, not because you don't love him or because he doesn't love you, but because your life is out of order. I one time I read this crazy, crazy quote. It says, you can go to heaven God's way or you can go to hell any way you want. But there's no other way. Oh, I don't like the way God, well, fine, do it your way. Go to hell then. That sounds really bad, I know. But you can go to hell your own way or you can go to heaven his way. That sounds super hard, I know. But it is the truth of the word of God. A lot of people don't want to do things God's ways. Because they don't seem to agree. You know what? I've learned something. When I'm good at something, I like it. It's weird. Like if I'm not good at something, I have a really hard time getting into it. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm not good at dieting, so I'm not going to really like it. Right? Like there's some sports that I just didn't, I'm naturally not good at it. So it, I'm, it's not my cup of tea. Some of the things that come easier to me, you start liking. How many guys love reading? Some of you guys, yeah, there you go. No, I thought you were just kidding. Okay, sorry about that, right? So how many guys actually like reading? Maybe because you are, you know how to read. But ask a kid, somebody who's, who doesn't really know how to read that well, ask them if they want to be asked to, raise, to, to read in front of the class. Or maybe just asking you, do you like to do something you're not really that good at? I know for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure, that when order is there, an organization, and things go one after the other, life becomes so much easier. Remember this, order leads to relationship. In the beginning, the world was chaotic. So God did what? He put it back into order. He started organizing. He separated the heavens from the earth. And then he said, let there be light. Check this out. Before he said, let there be light, it says that it was void. And the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. When I see void, I see lack of relationship. I see lack of, it's just a hollow, hollow heart, a hollow life. Lives are disorganized and hollow. 
I had some friends and I still have some friends that seem to be living amazing lives on pictures, but on video, it's horrible. <laughs> the motion picture I see in their lives is nothing compared to what I see on their gram, on Instagram, on their Facebook. Whatever people know of them, but because I have a relationship with them, some of those, some of those lives are so hollow. Until Christ comes and fill it, they'll always be looking for every single way to fill that void. Blas Pascal said it this way, there's a God-shaped hole in your heart. Unless he comes and fill it, you will always be trying to fill those gaps with alcohol, drugs, sex, people, whatever you want, entertainment, and it just will never work. The reason I say this to you is because God wants you to have order, but he also wants you to have relationship. Discipleship is order, but it's also relationship. Can I tell you that my best friends are my 12? My wife is my very best friend. Like, that's it. No one will compete with that. Not even my, my, my kids. Dad, am I your best friend? Nope, your mom's my best friend. Aww. Well, you wouldn't be here if I didn't have that best friend. So she's my best friend, right? That's my best friend. Then I could tell you this, my, my, my guys, my 12, I could tell you one after another name. I could tell you 12 names of people that I just absolutely love. And I know they have my back. That I love hanging out with them. I love spending time with them. I love doing relationship with them. I like shooting, you know, kicking the ball. I love just chilling with them. I love the emojis, the gifs, the memes that they send. I love it when they succeed. I can, I can, I can, I can get excited about their, their, their success, their growth. You know, one of them got a job today. And also I was like, man, that's awesome. We all got pumped about it, right? When, when one of them got COVID, we all made fun of him a little bit for it after we knew he was okay. You know what I'm saying? Like we, we just relationship, you know, God, God, when he called his 12, he didn't just call them to be religious. He called them to be with him. I love that. That God doesn't just want order in your life. He also wants to have communion. He wants to fill you. That's amazing. That God would want to indwell. Mateteos, when you have mateteos with somebody, it means that you call them into restoring God's order in their life. But with that comes your relationship. God, the Bible says that Jesus called to himself those who he himself wanted. He didn't call those who he needed. He called those who he wanted. Carmen, you know it's much better to be wanted than to be needed. That your husband would want you, not just need you. Amen? Amen, husband? Right? It's much better to be wanted than to be needed. Now, don't get me wrong. Being needed is a good thing sometimes. But I want to be wanted, not just needed. You know, God called you because he wanted you to be his disciple. He wanted to have friendship with you, fellowship. He told his disciples, I no longer call you servants. I now call you friends. You're my disciples. You and I have a different kind of relationship. When people leave the church, and some people do, I don't get mad at them. I don't curse them. Like, ah, that you'll never grow no other church. Ah, this is the only one. That's not like that at all. At all. At all. When people leave, usually they leave because they're angry at someone or something happened. Eh. Or maybe they're in sin and something happens. You know, I don't know. Not everybody's the same. But, but you know what I realize is sometimes people want to continue to have a relationship with me as their pastor or with me as their friend. And I want to have a relationship with them. But I only have one life. One life. And so I constantly tell people this. It's not because I don't want to spend time with you. But my time must be invested and invested wisely. You want time because you want it for yourself and you don't want to reproduce whatever is poured into you discipleship's relationship has a great purpose it's not just because i want to feel good but it's because whatever is poured into you in this relationship in this friendship you're going to multiply it and do something greater with it 
Yes, you're going to have joy. Yes, we're going to have a great time. When Frank and I hang out, it's an awesome time. But I expect something good to come out of it towards his family, towards his disciples. Even the laughter that I, sometimes I laugh with Marcos, sometimes, you know, we just hang out. And even those moments of laughter, of joy, I expect that to reproduce with his disciples. Because that is that what I'm talking about. That God came to give you order, but he also came to have relationship with you. Your relationship, your intimacy with God should have a byproduct. It should bear fruit. Listen, intimacy should lead, lead to fruitfulness. Here you have chaos restored to order. Then order should lead to communion, intimacy. And intimacy should lead to reproduction. I'm not going to take too much time explaining that. But the light, it says that first it was chaotic. God put it back into order. His spirit was all over it. He poured his spirit over it. And then after that, he gave it light. Boom. He said, let there be light. You know, in Spanish, I don't know... Um, if you guys know this, but in Spanish, when a woman's about to give birth, we say she's about to give light. Sounds really weird, I know. Está a punto de dar a luz. I never understood it. I was like, what? What's her name? Is the baby's name going to be Luz? Like, why are you mean you're going to give a luz? You're going to give light. That's weird, right? But it says, va a dar a luz. And when I read the Bible, I was like, ah, that makes sense. God, when he gave us life, he gave us light. You know, when the word of God says that God said, let there be light, boom. And light allows life. Light brings light. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Then it goes on to say, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to God, Father who is in heaven. Check this out, Isaiah 49, 6. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. The light of your life is there to bring salvation to the nations, to bring fruitfulness, to multiply. I don't understand. Some people feel, I feel pressured to give, to give fruit. I feel pressure to win souls. I feel pressure to lead. Yes. That's it. No excuse about it. I'm not going to apologize about it. Let me tell you why. Just the same way as I pressure sometimes fathers to become fathers instead of just donors. You have a child. You bless that child. You have a child, you correct that child, you, you, you're there for that child, you're going to be a father. Don't pressure me into being, that's who you are. You can't pressure into who you are, I'm just reminding you. Am I making sense? I can't pressure into being what God created you to be, I'm just trying to remind you of it. That God called you to be light. Don't pressure me into being light, fine, be darkness then. God called you to have order in your life. He called you to have relationship with him and he called you to be a light unto the world. You know one thing, I was looking at a light bulb. It was so weird because I was going through this. I looked at the light bulb. I said, wow, revelation for me. At least it was. I said, a light bulb doesn't have light to have pleasure. Like a light bulb is like, oh, yes, light. <laughs> a light bulb turns on to give light to others. There's no blessing or benefit for the light bulb itself. If it lights up, it's because it's supposed to give light to a room. Right? A light bulb's purpose is to shine so as a person's life is to shine, to give light everywhere around, to give light, and in a Spanish way to say, dar a luz, to give birth to. When the Bible talks about God said, let there be light, and he calls you and I the light, 
It is there that God can say, and I can tell you this, his delight is for us to be the light. We ought to be the light of the world, meaning that when people see your life, Giselle who's behind the camera today, Giselle, that when people see your life, that they will say, oh, so there is a God. And if Giselle can do that, if Giselle is living that way, then God must be true. God must be real. Instead of saying, see, she's a Christian and look how she lives. Nah, forget that. No light there. It's all darkness, right? But when people see your life, that the Bible said, let your light so shine, that when people see you, they can have that reproduction in their life. I understood it so clearly that in the beginning, just as in my life, I'll finish with this, just as in my life, there was chaos, emptiness, and darkness. Sin was what I lived for, without relationship and without order, no purpose. What God gives you through discipleship, number one is order. Number two is relationship. Number three is the ability to reproduce. That is purpose. He will, first of all, he will form you, he will fill you, and he will fulfill you. He will form you, he will fill you, and he will fulfill you. He will form your life, he will fill your life, and he will fulfill your life. A life that is formed and a life that is filled should have fulfillment. Fulfillment only comes when you live out your purpose. Have you ever felt like you are not doing what you're supposed to be doing? Like you're still selling yourself short. Like, come on, there's something greater I'm supposed to do in this world. When you see someone else doing great things and you don't feel good about you, two things should happen. Two things could happen. One is because you hate that person. I can't hang And you start hating on that person. Or two, sometimes you don't feel good because something inside of you is reminding you that you could do more. Maybe it's not jealousy. Maybe it's just a quick reminder within you that says, hey, you got great purpose in you. Stand up. If she can do it, if he can do it, you can do something too. Why? Because the one that lives in you is greater than the one that is in the world. The reason I'm telling you guys this is because we all need discipleship. Discipleship is there to form us, to fill us, and to fulfill us. Amen? I want to pray for you guys that God would give you a new desire to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. The reason why in this church we're doing again, by the way, we're beginning life class. Tonight we're figuring out exactly uh, how many people will be wanting to join life class. We're going to do them on Sundays. Sorry, I hear a music. Okay, okay, it's for me. That song is for me. Okay, I was like, is that weird? Am I listening to like sounds in my head? Sorry. Um, I was like, God, you're coming. <laughs> but we're beginning, we're doing a live class again, uh, which is the first step, right? And then after that, of course, we begin destiny training all together. We want to continue to do this incredible, amazing vision. One thing I realized is this, is that the world may seem to be on pause, but discipleship doesn't have to be on pause. Am I making sense? Guys, it's time to be discipled and to make disciples. I don't know about you, but there's no better time this is what God spoke to me. There's no better time to disciple people than through this season. There's no better time to go and win someone than in this season. The harvest is ready. The fields are white. They're ready for the picking. I know that God wants to use you, but it's time to get discipled. Get discipled. What areas of darkness are there in your heart? What areas that are, that are empty? What emptiness is there? Is there something that's out of order in your marriage, in your relationships, in your finances? Ask God for help. Talk to your leader and say, hey, you know what? I need help. I really need help. I feel like my life is out of order in some things. Can you help me out? That's called discipleship. Sometimes we expect the, the leaders or, or, or the pastors to come and tell you everything that's wrong. You know what? If that was the case, you would hate it. You would hate it. Because all that person would do is just tell you one thing after the other. 
I encourage you guys to step up and to say, hey, I really need to be discipled. This is an area of my life that cannot continue the same. I want to fulfill God's purpose in my life. I want to be a light to the world. I want to be given to the nations for multiplication for the kingdom of heaven. I want God to do more. I don't want to just watch stories. I want to have a story that when people see it, they would praise God for it. A pastor used to say, and I'll finish with it, I promise. Live your life in such a way that if it was a book, people would want to turn the page. Live your life in such a way that if it was a book, people would want to turn the page. Instead of saying, forget that, I'm not reading that boring old thing. Same thing as everything else. Ask God to do something great. Ask God to give you your 12, your 144, your 1728. What an exciting thing it is for me to be able to see one of the 144 tonight, Noemi, sharing the word of God and with the passion that you share and the wisdom. Honestly, like all these guys that are, that, that, that are single and you're single, what's wrong with you guys, man? Here she is, a godly woman who loves the Lord financially. Okay. <laughs> I'm just trying to tell you guys, like it's amazing to see men and women of God grow up and being stronger in God and fulfilling their purpose in the Lord. And how good does it feel to see your disciples, their lives changed, amen. And now somebody who came perhaps broken and now God is doing amazing things in her life and you're like, that is beautiful. And that is the power of discipleship, that at some point someone did something for you, helped you be formed, be filled and be fulfilled. And how you do the same with somebody else. But how horrible it is to see Christians just attend church their lives are formless, empty, and not fulfilled. No wonder you seek so much entertainment. I encourage you guys right now to say, God, I want to be discipled again. Help me to disciple someone else. God, use my life to bring order, <laughs> intimacy, and light into someone else. Close your eyes. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you so much. Because I know that we can go through the entire scripture and come back to this theme over and over and over. That Jesus, when you walked this earth, you could have chosen any way to change this world and redeem it back to your Father's heart. But you chose discipleship. You chose 12. And when one of them fell, you asked. And your disciples knew to replace him, that they would complete that team of 12. When Matthias stepped up, it wasn't because he was good, but because he was there. He was available and he was faithful. I ask you, God, that we would have the same hunger to see our teams complete. The same way, God, that, that your disciples knew that that was your strategy, that we would know it. God, help us not be prideful and stop searching out discipleship. God, form us, please. For those of For those people, Lord, that are listening to my voice now and feel like they've already made it, or they plateaued, or they think they've gone far enough. I pray that you bring conviction right now. Convict them of the sin of complacency. That today they say, God, take me to another level. God, I want to go to the other side. God, there's so much more to climb. Forgive me if I've settled in, if I thought I had enough. God, you are my leader. You are my standard. I want to get there, God. I want to be more like you, not just like you more. God, I ask you right now that you make us more and more like you. That you help our lives to have your order. That you help us, God, to be filled with you, Holy Spirit, so that we can be a light unto the world. Jesus, we love you so much. We need you, and I pray right now that during this season, disciples would grow. 
that through life class, God, those people that are going brand new, God, to an encounter. I pray, God, that they would be just like they would be even, even to go to the class, overcomers, God, fighters, bold, courageous, that you give them a new courage, God, that those that are already 12s or already have their cell groups or already go to a cell group, that they grow a new hunger for discipleship, that it would be tales, God, real followers. I ask God that they would be lifelong disciples, not just pupils for a while. Thank you, Jesus, because you showed us how. You walked on this earth as a disciple of your father. You gave your life, you for the cost. You followed, you obeyed. Thank you, Jesus, because you were the light of the world and you showed us how to be. In your name I pray. I thank you. Amen and amen. You guys, God bless you guys so much. Why don't we give God a round of applause, even if it's a few of us. Woo